I am always thirsty. And while we all love to keep hydrated, plain water definitely gets boring. And that's why I'm so excited to be working with AirUp for this series of the podcast. AirUp is a revolutionary new taste experience. It's a bottle that flavors ordinary water with scent. And trust me, you have to try it. I was shook. So here comes the science bit. When you taste things, your tongue only does part of the job. It tells you whether things are sweet, sour, umami, salty, or bitter. But most of our taste, aka flavor, is perceived by the olfactory receptors in our nose. AirUp's one-of-a-kind drinking system transports carefully crafted flavors through the back of our mouth to our nose where taste is perceived. Your brain interprets the scent as flavor, and there you have it. No sugar, no sweeteners, no nothing. Just plain water and the power of scent. So here's how it works. You fill up the bottle with water, still or sparkling, put the straw inside the bottle with the mouthpiece attached, and pop on a scent pod. To activate the scent pod, all you have to do is pull it up gently until it stops. If it's not activated, you will just drink water. Drink normally through the straw, And while you sit, the scent transports the flavor from the back of our mouth to our nose. And you get all that lovely taste. You can check out the full range of bottles, pods, and accessories at air-up.co.uk. And you get 10% off full price items using my code RAIN. Hydration just got more exciting, babes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Today we're joined by one of Hollywood's most exciting new stars, Melissa Barrera. In just a few years, Melissa has starred in the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical movie In the Heights, Scream 5 and 6, the Netflix show Keep Breathing, and now she's taking on an iconic character, Carmen, opposite Paul Mescal. But it's been quite the journey to get there, and Melissa tells me about starring in telenovelas before she moved to LA, which is where she is when we caught up. Melissa also talks about the prejudice she had to overcome as a Mexican actress to get the roles she deserves, and she shares one of the best rules to live by I've ever heard on this podcast. Melissa is a walking, talking example of determination, so I hope she also inspires you to turn your no's into yeses. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I'm just thrilled that I've known you for approximately like 2.5 minutes. And I'm thrilled that we've already bonded over the fact that we are very heavy breathers. We are heavy breathers. It's uh, kind of embarrassing. (laughs) 
It's just a thing that happens. When you play basketball your whole life and get hit in the face with a basketball, I think something goes wrong and you just, you got to do it. But I'm not a snorer, which I'm happy about. You know who else is a heavy breather? Zeus. Zeus is also a heavy breather. For the people listening right now, we are now looking at Zeus, who is the cutest little pooch. He is a long-haired chihuahua that snores like a mother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't even know where to begin between the breathing and Scream 6 and Carmen. You have got it all going on right now. But let's, should we, let's start with Carmen. Let's start with Carmen because, I mean, this movie is so great. When I watched it, I was so great. I was obsessed with all the dancing and it, the movie does completely reimagine the opera, Carmen, and it tells the story of Carmen, but this time it's all about a Carmen who escapes her um, homeland in Mexico after her mother is brutally murdered and then she crosses the border and there's a standoff and then she runs off with Marine with PTSD who's yeah. patrolling the border who's played by Paul Mescal. I mean, and it spirals from there. I mean, wow. The plot, there's a lot going on, isn't there, babe? There's a lot going on. It's very dramatic. Um, but it is a very unique film. I, it's a... It's more of like a an experience than a movie, in my opinion. And that's why I was so attracted to, to the project in the first place, because Benjamin Millipede, our director, is a choreographer first. So his, like, visual language is so beautiful, and, um, and the movie itself is so visually stunning. And... And yeah, it's it's exciting for it to finally come out. It's been a long journey. You know, I've been attached. Uh-huh. I got attached to the movie in 2018. So it, it's been a long time coming. You sing, you dance, you act your bloody socks off. I mean, babe, is there anything you can't do? Like you really exercised that triple threat territory, didn't you? <gasps> um. Yeah, I, I feel like I... I mean, I was a musical theater nerd growing up. I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. I was like in in my school shows and and always, you know, hanging out with the theater kids and all that. And that was like my first love. And so now getting to do that in movies feels so like full circle. And also like my dreams are all coming true because I'm happiest when I'm being, when I'm like doing some sort of musical element as long you know alongside acting so i've Mm. been lucky that you know i did in the heights and carmen and i just finished shooting another movie called your monster that is also has like musical elements to it i don't know if i keep you know searching for these projects unconsciously or they find me or a little bit of both but it makes me so happy to to be able to do that you kind of manifest it from being that fit and nerd at school, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe in that. I believe in, like, you know, wanting things and putting them out into the universe and then finding you eventually. You know, there's sometimes you you forget about it and it's 10 years later and then all of a sudden it comes to you and you're like, oh, my God, I wanted this. I prayed for this, like, mm. 10 years ago. That's crazy. Mm. And the role of Carmen is such an incredible one. And I think in this retelling of the story, it's very poignant. And as a Mexican actress working today, how much has this role meant to you? 
It's uh, it's it's a big deal. It's um, I mean, honestly, when I got it in 2018, it was my first movie role. It didn't mm. end up being my first movie role because I shot other movies before this got made because it was hard to get it made. But it was the first thing that I got cast in, which is crazy. So at the time, I was, you know, I had one season of Vida under my belt. It hadn't even aired yet. Uh, I had like, f- you know, I was fresh, you know, coming from Mexico. I had just moved to L.A. and getting the opportunity to portray such an iconic character, such a beloved mm. character that because the the director wanted her to be Mexican and wanted to cast a Mexican actress, I got the opportunity to do that. And so it I felt so lucky and I felt like this is going to change my life. You know, like this is the role that's going to change my life. And you know, you always feel that. I feel like you, as actors, we always kind of feel like, oh my God, this is going to be the thing that is the big break or the thing that like puts me on the map or whatever. And then it's it's never one thing. It's a combination of like many things and a body of work I've realized. But But this definitely was a huge learning experience for me. It It, shooting this movie was very hard for me because Mm. of the pressure that I, the pressure that I like impose on myself of like portraying such an iconic character that's, that's already has so many iterations and so many like wonderful actors and actresses that have portrayed her. So I was like, oh my God, how am I going to make her different? How am I going to make her mine and still good and respect like the essence and the fire of the character that people love so much? in this complete reimagining because the story is completely different. There's almost like nothing of the original story except for the title character. Yeah, and so that's it. It was, it was uh, <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. Um, I think of it as an origin story. That's like my own thing. No, the director doesn't think of it as an origin story, but to me, it kind of feels like that. Mm. Um, and so it was it was nerve-wracking not only because of like the challenge of the dancing but also the pressure of the character and the name and like um the expectations of people because everyone heard about it and was so excited oh my god benjamin millipede is doing a an adaptation of carmen and everyone was kind of waiting for it and i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen if like people don't like me or you know like you you start like spiraling and so mm. it was it was a hard it was hard for me at the time. I was also like it was middle of the pandemic when we shot it. It was be- like end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And we had to go to Australia to shoot it because it was the only place in the world basically that was filming that at that point, right? Had, that was yeah. Yeah, that was like they they were covid free basically. Like life was normal and so it was going to be easier to shoot over there with less restrictions because of the nature of the movie. And so I was like alone on the other side of the world over the holidays, away from my family for the first time and dealing with all these pressures by myself. And so it was it was a hard time. And mm. that doesn't mean that I didn't have fun because I also had like some of the most fun that I've ever had on set I had and some of the most fulfilling moments I've ever had as an actor I had making this movie because it's 
so beautiful. Like every day I was like, we're making art here. Like it just feels like we're making art and it feels like everyone feels so lucky to get to be a part of this special project. That was like the energy mm. on set constantly. Um, but you can't escape your own mind, you know? It's, no. it's dealing with your own like anxiety and your own pressures and self-doubt and all of that. Was it one of the biggest lessons ever in overcoming self-doubt for you? I think it was, yeah. But I'm also very good at using what I'm feeling and pouring it into a character. So Mm. Carmen is a woman that has gone through a lot. She's carrying a lot of pain and grief. And she's like, but she's also like a contradiction of sorts because she goes through life like as a child almost with like this freedom and this innocence and this like like confidence, which is what makes her so magnetic. But she's also carrying a lot of pain. And mm. so I I'm, I think I'm one of like my strengths, I think, as an actor is that I'm very good at like channeling things and, and using them for the benefit of the performance. And so all of like the anguish and the pain and like the things that are bubbling up inside of Carmen in the movie that that you can see are like all the shit that I as Melissa was dealing with and I was just like, I gotta use it. I gotta, you know, yeah. that's what- I've that's gotta what go there. To me, acting, <laughs> I've got the material. Acting is, acting is so therapeutic. It's so cathartic. And that's why I think I love it so much because I get to kind of vent and like use all the things that I have inside of mm. me and like put them out there and be vulnerable and like hope that people see them and and see themselves and like connect and empathize and are moved because that's the reason Mm. that I went into acting because I would see performances mostly in theater and I'd be like you know like I couldn't like sleep I was so excited or so moved or so rattled or so you know you know cracked open by what I had seen that I was like I want to make people feel that way I want to make others feel the way that that these actors make me feel. And that's why I got Mm. into it. I mean, you really took me there with your performance in Carmen. And I think one of the things when I watched it that was very powerful about it and I was thinking about it was so many times when we see Mexican characters brought to the screen, they're told through a drugs or immigration lens or through those kind of storylines. And it's so important to have stories like this, like Carmen, where there's nuances to that and there's a multifaceted Mexican identity that is shown and brought to the screen how important is that for you when you're looking for roles it's everything I when I first moved to LA I said to my team I am not going to go out for drug cartel related stuff and Mm. like immigration like being illegal aliens in the United States related stuff. Like I'm I'm not feeding that narrative. It's all the industry wants to see us as and we are so much more than that. So don't send me out for any project like that because I'm not gonna do it. Um, curiously, when I got the breakdown for Carmen, it didn't say anything about what the story was. It basically was just like, there's gonna be a, a reimagining of the opera of Carmen and she's Latina 
And if you want to audition, send us a song. Just sing a song. That was it. That was all I knew about the project at the time. It wasn't until many months later, after I sent my tape, I didn't hear anything back. Like six or seven months later, I get a call that Benjamin wanted to send me the script and some stuff of, you know, of the project. And so I get this box and I read the script and I realize what the story is. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, like I said I wasn't going to do immigration related mm. stuff. But this feels so different. Mm. Unlike told in a way that I've never seen it told before through music and dance and romance and magic. Mexico is such a magical country. And and I think that the world doesn't know all the magic that comes from Mexico and like the mysticism that we have. And I was so excited that all of that was a part of this movie. And I always think, I think when, I, when I'm approaching a role or a script that I'm excited about, a story, I always think, what is the message that this is putting out into the mm. world? Because that to me is the most important thing. What am I, what message am I propagating with my art? And is it going to harm my people or is it going to lift us up? And mm. so I, I found that maybe in the telling of this immigration story through the lens of movement and dance and epic romance, there was a way to get through to the people that watch it of like the actual, like the plight of running across a border, where that comes from, the fear and the danger that is very real that so many people that are right now sitting at the border waiting for asylum are, you know, dealing with and they're dehumanized by the media. And so I was like, if if this is a way to get through to people because it doesn't feel like we're teaching you and preaching you of like, look at these people, look at these poor people. Um, it's more like, look at this story, mm. come on this journey with us. And if it makes you think, and if it makes you have a conversation afterwards about the realities of the world, then that's incredible. It's so true. And I think that the the storyline around the American and Mexican border in our media has been so politicized over the last few years. And there's such a, in the media, it's kind of like this ongoing decision that they want to dehumanize immigrants over humanizing them. And this is what's so powerful about art and TV shows and media and what you've done with Carmen because it brings that human experience. And it says, we are just like you. We are all in this together. We all want love. We've all got, we've all got the same human experience inside of us. And we just want to find a better place, right? Yeah. We want to find a place where we feel like we can stop running when we mm. feel safe and at home and like like we can be ourselves that's mm. it like that's all we that's all we want every mm. human being wants that time for a little break and i don't know about you but i am thirsty <laughs> and i'm so thrilled to be working with air up for this series of rain 
Hydration is so key to our all-round well-being, but plain old water can get very boring. AirUp is a completely new taste experience that flavors water through scent. It works like it's magic, but it's just incredible science. And because of this, AirUp works without any sugar or sweeteners. You just add a scented pod to the top of your AirUp water bottle and it tricks your mind into thinking the water is flavored when you drink. Trust me when I tell you, you have to try it. So don't forget my discount code. You get 10% off full price items when you head to air-up.co.uk and use the code RAIN. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You came over to L.A., being a successful Mexican actress back home and you had an amazing career behind you and you come to LA and you're like right I've got to start again when you came to LA and you were going out for roles what kind of hurdles or prejudice did you have to overcome to get the roles you deserved and you wanted um that's a really good question I Part of the motivation for moving to the United States was actually the the excitement of starting over. Like mm. I wasn't like, you know, I knew that it was going to be hard and, and, you know, like it's a bummer that like the six years that I had worked in Mexico weren't going to count for anything because none of the things that I'd done crossed over, you know, like it was just specifically for a Mexican audience. And, and so in the U.S. I was the new girl and... I knew that I wanted to go to a place where nobody knew me because I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to to demonstrate that I could make it based on my talent and not on anything else. And and I wanted to not be judged like I constantly was judged in Mexico for doing telenovelas when I wanted to like do movies and I wanted to do like TV shows outside of telenovelas, like, I would just, I felt like people would just look, look like, side-eye me of, like, oh, you're a telenovela actress. And they never kind of let me break in. And so I was sick of that. And I was like, I need to start over. I need to start fresh. And I need to go somewhere where nobody knows me. So I was excited mm-hmm. about that. And I knew that the experience that I had of six years of working would, would, say something when I walked into a room. I'm not like this green actress that like just graduated and has no experience. No, I have like six years of working on sets under my belt and in theater. So I know what I can bring to a room. And and I was excited about that aspect of it. And And then I think the hurdles were mostly the getting the auditions. Like the mm. hurdles of of like being part of a minority group, being part of like being a Latina in an industry where they're, they don't think about Latinas for a lot of roles. They kind of just give us a very, they give us a very specific lane and like 
a specific type of role most of the time. And so that was the the hurdle because I would like sometimes read breakdowns and I was like, I want to go in for that role. And they were like, no, they're not casting a diverse. And I was like, what does that mean? They were like, oh, that means that they're not seeing Latinas for it. And I was like, oh, they're not even, they don't even give us a chance. That was the hurdle. Like fighting to get in rooms where they don't even think about you. They're not even, they don't even like, they're not even acknowledging that they could cast this Latina. They just don't even think about that. So that was the biggest hurdle I think that I was dealing with and a lot of people have been dealing with for forever. A lot, not just Latinas, like, you know, all all minorities that have been like fighting for a place and they just don't even get a chance to be in the room. And now you're sitting here as the representation that you needed and that the industry needed to see at that point to open their eyes to the casting process and to spread that net wider. Does that feel amazing to be able to sit here with the body of work that you've been able to achieve in the last few years, knowing you've become that representation that you needed? It does feel amazing. I do feel very lucky and very blessed to be sitting here and to be doing things that feel exciting and to have the opportunities that I've had and that I continue to to get and I don't take that lightly but I also know that there's still a lot of work to be done there's mm. so like few of us out there I mean we're growing I think Latinos are having like a power moment because like the most if you think about it like right now in this quarter of 2023 the most popular people in the entertainment industries are all Latinos Like, Bad Bunny is, you know, the number one musician, the most popular, and he's Puerto Rican. And you have Pedro Pascal killing it in The Last of Us and his Chilean. And you have Jenna Ortega that, like, is the global phenomenon on Wednesday. And she is American, but, like, she has, I think, Puerto Rican and, and Mexican in her family. So... You have, you know, like we see it. And, and and sometimes people like forget to acknowledge like how huge that is. You have the most popular people in the world, mm. the ones that are like, that people are loving to watch and they're all Latino right now. That's huge. And we just need to, yes, celebrate them, but we want more, you know, like we want, I think what the, you know, the conversation always is like, representation in the entertainment industry should kind of reflect what the world looks like and for the longest time it hasn't and we're slowly i think mm -hmm. uh writing that and and balancing that out and so i keep you know i i'm very i'm very lucky that i get to be where i am and i keep fighting for roles that are not meant for me because i know that the roles that are like meant for latinos we'll get cast as Latinos. And like, that's great for like opportunities for people. But I keep fighting for the ones that are not for us because I want to prove that we can do that too. Like, even if you didn't think that you could cast me in this, like I am good enough for that. And you can. And if you do, it's great because that means one more space for us instead of just like having to fight over the ones that they, they designated for us. And that is the tea. That, that is, is the piping tea. hot, fresh tea that everyone yeah. needs to be sipping and serving. Yeah. yeah. 
you're then also alongside being in Carmen, like within the same month, you know, you're in Scream 6, which is a 25 year long plus franchise, which has a huge history behind it. And you're bringing a whole other level of depth to it as well. <laughs> like watching you, like, I mean, also I could never film that that movie because I would literally be permanently shitting myself all the time because I am I cannot be scared. Like it freaks me out so much. And you've really nailed that, like I'm going to jump out of my own skin kind of like mode of acting. So uh-huh. props to oh, you for that. Thank you. <laughs> But with the latest movie, you've really gone there in terms of, and you pushed the character and the kind of dimension of the franchise forward because you really explored her trauma and her mental health. And that is so amazing to see brought to the screen too. How has that kind of made you reflect on how you look after your own mind? And what's your journey with how you've looked after your own mind been like? Um... I think it hasn't been great. I've always kind of kept myself busy, I think, and and working. And mm. that's, I think, my form of coping and, and just kind of like not having to deal with any mental health. I also, you know, one of the big reasons that I was attracted to Scream in the first place was the potential of this character to become this like very layered very complicated very deep you know Mm. exciting character to 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 board because it was unlike anything i'd seen in the franchise this you know so much she's carrying this secret for so long and what that does to a person and how that affects the way you live and and I was like, this is not explored in this fifth movie, but I think there's potential to really go somewhere with her. And in a, a franchise, in a horror franchise like that, I think people don't expect to go to any depths. They just want to like be entertained. And so I think this mm. new chapter of the franchise has a lot of heart and has a lot of emotion and is dealing with a lot of like real shit. And and I think that's why people are responding to it because it's hard to revamp a franchise. You know, like we've, we've seen how the industry constantly tries and fails to do that and somehow Scream just continues to rise. And I think the writers and the directors, you know, in this fifth and sixth movies really like just nailed it. They knew where to go. They knew how to keep it going. They knew how to keep it interesting and keep it like true to the essence of the franchise, but also like give it depth. And I think people nowadays in 2023, as a society, we seek depth. We want healing and we want connection. And we are more, I think we're less patient with bullshit and we'll call it out and we'll be like, I don't believe you, you're being fake. And so I think that it's a new, we're a new generation of like people that are going around the world with like open hearts like this. And and that's what we look for. And that's why that's why I think people are, are connecting with this new chapter of Scream because we're dealing with like real stuff and 
and also like keeping it fun at the same time. It's like a perfectly balanced act that that Jamie and Guy, mm. our writers, did so beautifully. Mm, 100%. And when you think about all the projects that you've done in the space of like, say like when you first landed this role in Carmen back in 2018, you're then in in the Heights. I mean, I first saw you on screen in the Heights and I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Like <laughs> that movie, honestly, one of the, it's one of the most underrated movies of all time or musical retellings. I'm saying it right here, put my neck on the line. That huh? is so true. You were so epic in that movie. That movie was epic full stop. Like, was that the most incredible experience for you shooting that? It was. It was an incredible summer. It was honestly a life-changing experience for me and I think for all of us involved. It was truly um, just a dream from beginning to end. Like, it was five months of our lives that we were in New York rehearsing and then shooting, and it just felt magical and serendipitous that it was all of us specifically doing it and we became so close and we had a blast like every single day and I think you can see it in the movie you can see like how much fun and how Mm. much love there was while we were shooting it and it is I'm so proud of that movie I think you know it was it was a hard time to come out like right as you know in the middle of the pandemic still and people weren't going to the theaters yet but I know that it was monumental and for a lot of people especially for like the Latino community but it's it's a great movie it's incredible and I think it'll it'll have its moment like I think eventually it'll it'll have its moment and it'll resurface and it'll become huge because it's just that good I I I remember when I first saw it I was shocked and normally when I see something that I'm in I'm like very judgy and I can't like really I can't really you know enjoy it fully because I'm just overanalyzing every single thing that I do and I'm like thinking how it could be better and I watched it and it was um I watched it with Anthony Ramos we were together and we and it ends and we look at each other and we were like that's really good, right? Like, are you, what, did you think it was good? Because I thought it was really good. Like, I think it was, it's objectively like a really good movie. You know, like we were like, that's really good. And so, yeah, I'm very proud of it. I think John Chu did an incredible job and uh, it's just, it was a huge celebration and, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in it, so I'm biased, but I do think that it's like one of the best musical adaptations that there are out there. Mm. 100%. And do you think that experience also kind of taught you what success means to you? Instead of it being about, say, box office numbers, it's about true successes, the experience that you had and the lens you can take from it. Totally. Um, I, it was, you know, it was my first like big studio movie and I was you know, they kind of, it was weird because it was doing so well and the reviews were all incredible and like Warner Brothers was really pushing it and and even though we were still in the pandemic, we still like did a, like an extensive press tour for it and it, everything kind of was pointing in the direction of like, this is going to be huge. And everyone was in our ears telling us like, this is going to be huge. 
And, um, and when that's like your first movie, you like get excited, right? And you're like, oh my God, like cool. Mm. It's cool that when you do something that you really love, that then it becomes big and like people know you for it and like people enjoy it. Like obviously that's what you want. But then when it didn't do well, in the box office, I mean, because it was, like, day and date release. Like, people were watching it at home and loving it. But, like, all the industry, like, focused on was the box office numbers because all the industry cares about is, like, money, sadly. Um, but uh, but so then you, you, you kind of, like, get bombarded with the negativity of that. And it's so easy to let that kind of dim or dampen the entire experience when it shouldn't and so I was I was actually like we premiered and the day after the premiere I flew to Vancouver to quarantine for two weeks in a room because I was shooting a Netflix show called Keep Breathing right after and I was for two weeks on the phone just reading everything and like getting sadder and sadder and sadder and I was like, why, why, am I, why am I letting myself get sad about this? We made an incredible movie and we had the best time making it. Why am I letting that thing that I cannot control mm. at all ruin that experience for me? And so I'm very grateful now, looking back on it, that that was my first experience that like the first movie that I made the first big movie that I made didn't like quote unquote do well at the box office because it really taught me that lesson of like that is out of your control there are like a million stars that have to align for something to do well and that cannot be what you take away from a project what you take away is, are you proud of the work that you did? Yes. Did you have a good experience making it? Yes. Did, do you have like now relationships with people that you love and that you continue to like call family and friends because of that? Yes. And is the movie actually good? Yes. So I'm like, you know, that's, and, and now that's how I see everything after that so when a movie mm. happens to do well at the box office that's just like some extra you know that's just some extra stuff like that's not the most important thing for me anymore it's like i did the work and i continue to be blessed with work you know you think you see all these movies that like quote unquote flop and like the actors just go on and like keep working you know they're not gonna stop working because of mm. it it doesn't happen like that anymore those like you know, before people tried to scare you like, oh, if you do a movie that flops, then like your career is going to like get stunted and like you might not work again. Like that's not that's not how it goes anymore. So mm -hmm. it was a change of perspective. It was a learning experience. And like, I'm so glad that it happened that way. And now I'm like, now I know what to focus on. One hundred percent. And that that kind of checklist that you went through is kind of like a checklist for life. Like, is this benefiting me? Yes, that's success. Am I happy doing it? Tick, that's success. We need to yeah. start seeing success through those kind of parameters rather than seeing it through external factors all the time. And I think one of the things from talking to you today and then seeing how your career's developed and then reading about how your career's developed, like, you know, you go from starting off on like a TV reality show 
um, competition in Mexico and then moving to LA and then you go for all these movies in such a short space of time. Like you seem like someone who has a very strong sense of their vision and their self-belief. Have you always had self-belief? I think I have. There are obviously moments of darkness, like everyone has. This industry, there's it's just so many ups and downs, mm. and the in-betweens can be hard. The in-betweens is, you know, the moments between two jobs that you don't know if it's going to last a week, a month, a year, or more. You know, like, it's sometimes that's the, the uncertainty that goes with this job. And those moments can be hard. But I feel like I've always had a very good sense of direction and by that i mean like i've always known where i want to go in life and so that doesn't mean that i'm very that i'm stubborn about like this is a straight path like i know sometimes it's gonna be like winding path and i'm gonna have to like get farther away from the end mark to get back to it but um but i know where i want to go and i know what i want to do and i've always known that i think uh that's something that I learned from my mom. Like that that confidence and that assuredness is something that my mom instilled in me from when I was really young because she would always tell me like, you have the ability to do whatever you want in life. If you work hard for it, you can do anything. And so I grew up believing that I could do anything. And I grew up, you know, constantly hearing because I think my mom is my hero. Her words are the most important words that I that I hear and so people can be in my ear saying other things but my mom's voice is always the loudest and my mom's voice is always the most encouraging and believing and in the moments where I forget how to believe in myself I just call my mom up and she'll give me like a pep talk and be like remember this moment remember when you said this to me remember this girl that said this at that time and then she did this that's you so don't forget that we love your mum for pushing you through and thank God she did because we love seeing you on your screens. We want more of you. Carmen is a masterpiece, thank you. Thank you. honey. Stunning. But before you go, we always end on this question. And the last question I always ask my guests is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you'll always live by? Oh, okay. The one rule... I don't know if this constitutes as a, as a rule or not, but you already have the no, look for the yes. If you want to do something and you decide that it's too hard or that like mm, you're not going to be able to do it, it's already a no. You're already giving yourself the no. So you always got to look for the yes. That's something that my mom told me when I was young. And that's something that I live by. You always got to search for the yeses. Oh my God. That is that she found me at the perfect time in <laughs> my life. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. That is amazing. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom with us today. It's been so great you too. talking thank to you. Thank you so much. This was so nice. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about.
Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.